Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TST Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and on today's episode, we're joined by Rahul Kassat of 3D Systems and Dave Reinheimer of Geoform Plastics for the latest instalment of our Innovators on Innovators series. Kassat has been working with 3D Systems for almost 18 months since the company acquired the Titan Robotics business he led, while Reinheimer serves as the product development manager of Duoform Plastics. Duoform is a thermoforming plastics company that leans on 3D Systems pellet extrusion technology to produce moulds for greater agility and quicker turnaround times. Throughout their conversation, Cassatt and Reinheimer detailed the 3D printing workflow for thermoforming moulds, discussed the benefits of pellet extrusion for such applications, and explore the future opportunities in the thermoforming space. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Dave, why don't you tell us about yourself and your association with thermoforming industry? Okay. Um, I've been in the industry for uh, 40 years now. I started uh, right out of college in, um, with a, a nice size uh, a company here in uh, Indiana. And uh, after 16 years with them, um, I decided to start my own uh, thermoforming company, Majestic Form Plastics. Uh, we had a, a good run, about uh, 11 years, and uh, we were approached um, by a larger thermoforming company, and they acquired us, uh, Dual Form Plastics, which uh, I'm with them still today. So uh, my career over the years, especially when I uh, you know, started through all these companies, uh, I was hired in at the first one and ran the plant for five years, and then uh, I moved into what they called sales engineer. So uh, I was making sales calls, but also, you know, in thermoforming, especially back then, it was more what can you make for us rather than a specific part somebody wanted. And uh, so I did that um, for about 11 years and then uh, had the opportunity to uh, um, start Majestic. And while at CO Tools was the first company, when I was doing the sales engineer side, I really got involved in tooling. So, um, you know, back in the day, it was uh, pattern makers, and uh, I've been through all facets of tooling and uh, processes in thermal farming. I've ran the ovens, I've ran uh, CNCs, the, the whole gamut. Congratulations, Dave, on 40 years in the industry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how does the thermal farming process work? Um, and where it is used. So <clears throat> thermal forming, you know, we're we're taking um, sheets of plastics and here at Bill Form, we form all different types from ABSs to TPOs, polycarbonates, acrylics, uh, a wide array of materials. You heat a sheet and you either uh, vacuum it to a mold or pressure form it into a mold. And um, to get the to get your parts there's so many our a big part of our business is uh bath products for uh rvs 
and um, kind of an ever-changing thing. Uh, the way we make them, it's very cost-effective. Uh, dual form started in that market in 1968, and you know we're the king of that that market right now. Um, and it's still the RV industry still makes up probably 60% of our business. But uh, the thermal forming, you know, it's tooling wise, it's less expensive to get into than injection molded or, um, you know, today we're vacuum forming a lot of parts that used to be fiberglass, weight savings and um, better quality materials that take impact better. Uh, and in this business, you know, over the years, tooling has been made a big difference. In, in, what kind of tools you use and what you can do with them and how quickly you can get them done. A lot of, a lot of business is acquired by, by how quickly you can turn it around. And once you build those relationships with companies, they come, they, you know, they keep coming back to you. Okay. So, so you mentioned RV industry. Besides RV industry, what are some of the other industries that use thermoforming? We do, um, we do a fair amount in the uh, medical industry. Um, on um, cladding for MRI machines. Uh, we also do different trays uh, and tabletops for that industry. We do um, a lot of work in the truck conversion back to, uh, facet business where we're taking, uh, you know, like you've got a delivery van or, um, you know, a plumber's van and between the driver and the rest of uh, uh, the back of the van, the vehicle is um, there's a bulkhead there. They traditionally were steel, and um, we make um, a large thermal-formed part for that, the higher grade of ABS. And um, it's, it, that is a large business for us. We've got two machines that we brought in just to form those. They're big parts, and um, they're pretty much running. Um, around the clock well you know they're 40 hours a week running those parts i'm assuming automotive and aerospace industries and, and other consumer products use thermoforming also right yes we do do uh, aerospace on a regular basis as well okay that's great uh you, you use the word tooling uh few times in your in, in your introduction uh, what are the common materials that are used for tooling in thermoforming industry so um, to start, one of the nice things about thermoforming is we can, uh, you know, get a start with a pattern and give you a prototype of your part. And then depending on material and what you're looking for, we take that pattern into different types of tools. And uh, when I first started, and, you know, it's probably really rare today, but there were pattern makers made all these patterns, you know, you give them a print and they would make the pattern. And then, uh, you know, I saw the evolution to CNC's where we were cutting patterns. And uh, on those products, we use uh, some, you know, sometimes we'll use an MDF because we only need a couple shots on a light material. You know, ABS forms easy uh, on MDF. Uh, then we move up to a, a REN board, which is, a, you know, like a polyurethane board that we can CNC cut. And uh, the REN boards um, do well. You can get several shots off of a, a part. And depending on the, the, let's say, the depth of the mold or the height of the mold, 
Um, the rim board, you know, if, if you're looking for something that's 12 inches deep, then you have to laminate, you know, four or five boards together to get um, get enough material there to cut cut your mold out. And uh, it you're probably, you know, 15, 20 shots max before those lines start showing up on, on the rim board. But whatever that pattern is, you take that pattern once the parts approved, we form parts off of them. Uh, once that part's approved, and then we go to the majority of the tools we have in-house for the business we do, they are a ceramic tool. So it's a laid up, you know, similar to fiberglass, but a high temp material. So we take a transfer off of that pattern, lay up the fiberglass on there to make this ceramic mold. And then uh, with that mold on the backside, we run, uh, like we'll take um, PVC pipe cut it in half and then put in vac chambers for that. So we're only vacuum where we're drilling vac holes. And uh, so that process is probably, you know, if once you, it takes about two weeks to make a ceramic mold off of a pattern. And then um, they last a long time. We have uh, many tools here that, uh, you know, are 10 years old, let's say. And then uh, if we get into higher grades of, product say we need uh, clear polycarbonate uh or they're looking for great uh detail in the part and repeatability we'll go with an aluminum tool and those tools uh have coolant lines in them or heat lines that uh, we can control the temperature of that mold so when the sheet hits it the, the mold's always the same same temperature and on polycarbonate it's a it's a, it's pretty high and we run the molds right around 200 220 degrees on uh some of the polycarbonate uh products that we make on aluminum tools okay so so this is great you know with, with your 40 years of experience you have seen the 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 tool making going from pattern makers manually making them to cnc and now i know you guys are using 3d printing for for making some of these tools can you help us can you help us understand better understand why you decided to venture into 3d printing a few years ago for tool making yes we um so i've been here 13 years and probably about seven years ago uh the owner of of dual form you know he's not a, a day-to-day guy he's not here all the time you know several different companies but he's very progressive thinking and um we're, we're actually about the same age, but he was all hyped up on this 3D printing. And so we pretty much forced the team up here to buy a tabletop 3D printer. And um, so we did, and we were able to make small parts, you know, some salesman samples and actually some parts, you know, give a customer idea of what it was going to look like. And then um, then he was talking, you know, he sends emails all the time. Hey, look at this, look at that. And so I'm kind of following it, you know, over the the years. And then um, I started looking. I got a um, I got an email that had several different um, 3D printer companies on there, and Titan was one of them. So you know, he talks to me, and he he asked me, could you push this and see if this is something we can use. And at the at the onset of that, we were looking for uh, help on patterns because you know, we have three CNCs in our mold shop, two are aged, one's four or five years old, and it, 
like, you know, do we buy another one of those or should we look at new technology was his idea, which is, was the 3D printing. And uh, after looking through several of them, at the time, um, Titan really jumped out just for the molds, the what we the the footprint that we could print a, a pattern with. And um, so, you know, I reached out and got a call back quickly. And um, we were not far off of uh, one of the trade shows that uh, Titan was going to be in. And I think probably it had to be less. It was like three months, maybe, from the first conversation to meeting up with you guys at a at a show. It was in Chicago, I remember. And um, so the 3D printing, we were also losing like a, like our head CNC guy. Uh, to retirement you know he's getting ready to retire and um anyways it all kind of gelled together we needed a big extent how quickly we could get patterns made and um that's why we looked at the 3d printer and uh, it was our engineering group here that uses the tabletop one um the basic uh layout you know how they designed the tool setup was pretty much the same so it was an easy jump for us to get into that it, I, I'm always fascinated to hear how people find the new technology like 3D printing and and quickly jump into it and and understand how they can use. I mean, 3D printing has been around for almost 30 plus years. Uh, I mean, 3D System, uh, who owns Titan Robotics now, um, is invented actually 3D printing SLA technology back in 1980s. So we have been around 30 plus years. Um, you know, a little bit of, you know, you mentioned Titan Robotics. Titan was started in 2014 in Colorado Springs. Uh, initially, we delved into small, smaller, you know, filament type of printers, but then eventually uh, we got into the pellet extrusion technology, which uses, you know, low cost injection molding type uh, pellet feed stock, right? And uh, and from there, uh, we know in 2018, a little bit of my background, I was working for DuPont, uh, and I, my first experience in 3D printing is about 12 years ago in 2011, when when I was trying to figure out how DuPont should enter into 3D printing and as a materials company. And then in 2015, you know, I launched the materials venture uh, for 3D printing at DuPont, and and that's when I met Clay, who had started Titan Robotics in 2014. And and you know, we we started working on a couple of projects together with with Titan's machines and and DuPont materials. And then in 2018, you know, I left uh, DuPont and uh, joined Titan Robotics as uh, as one of the business partners. And and from there, you know, we decided to focus on pellet extrusion technology. And the main couple of main reasons being uh, very fast. Uh, you can use variety of different materials. Uh, you can use uh, lower cost field stock. Uh, so the speed and the material cost has been one of the some of the main challenges uh, for moving 3D printing from prototyping into production, right? So we, you know, we were focusing on addressing those problems because we knew that if we if we solve those problems, we'll be able to move 3D printing into production. And so that's where we we focused. And then in 2022. Uh, Titan Robotics was acquired by 3D Systems, and and 3D System being the leader in this space, 
they had a lot of these different plat they have a lot of these different platforms and and one of the missing link was the extrusion platform and by acquiring titan robotics uh, 3d system now offer a complete portfolio to the end customers right both in the polymer and the metal technology so it's 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 fascinating to hear how you got into the 3d printing how you know you were able to i guess uh, make a contact with titan robotics and how quickly we were able to respond to that so so let's talk about that collaboration right uh, you you know you already talked about how we met and and you know how um, how we started working together but but can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what what did you find interesting about the large format 3d printers that Titan offers and and then the pellet based technology. Yes, we um, when we were looking at it, you know, I reached out and um, the first conversation, you know, was probably an hour on the phone, and um, the we got excited. I got excited because I was now thinking from what uh, I was being told that, um, you know not only can we print these and um you know the cool thing about the the printer is it runs it runs whether somebody's standing next to it or not so you know it might take us uh you know 40 it might take us a week 40 hours of labor to to cut and build a pattern and get it ready uh to, but you know it might take uh, 16 hours to print and those 16 hours you know are one day that you know like i said it's running whether we're here or not and um so that was exciting for me and then um we we got to the point where i'm gonna have to show them something here you know with my co-workers and uh, the people i work directly under uh and in talking with titan uh they offered up you know well we can we'll print something for you and um at the time we were kind of under the gun on hitting the show where uh, we also have a pretty good uh, presence in the RV aftermarket and we have a pet line of products designed uh, for campers, people that camp in RV. And uh, so that's what we picked, a mold that uh, we wanted there. It was um, a lid for a storage compartment in the uh, we have three different lid choices, and this one was uh, one that had a uh, flat area and, and cup holders in it. And uh, so that's the one that, uh, you know, we sent them the, the CAD data, and uh, Titan printed that mold for us and uh, got it back to us. I mean, all this occurred in, in less than a week and uh, got it back to us. And so, you know, I'm at the mold shop, I and mean, we got to mount this to a mold base. And, uh, and, uh, you know, standard uh, back holes that we're going to drill in. And I said, well, they told me it doesn't need back holes. And then, of course, you know, nobody here believes it. And I'm like, well, let's, it's not going to take much to drill them afterwards. So let's just do what they said and let's see how it works. And uh, so that's what we did. And uh, the first shot was beautiful. It was uh, unbelievable. I mean, everybody was down there. Oh, my goodness. That uh, The part looked fantastic. And uh, we were able to get them into the show we were going to. And then um, later on, uh, we had sent that tool back to Titan. And I believe you guys took it to that show in Chicago. Because that's the first place I remember meeting you guys face-to-face. -face. And our team 
was fascinated about the the porosity and the mold and and how well uh, it vacuumed down. Not only does that save a lot of time in the mold prep, you know, to get it mounted on a on a base to to put in the oven. That uh, but the time saved is one thing, but the the way the material flows on that tool is 3D printed tools is amazing to me. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. That's that's a that's a that's a great story. And I can tell you, I hear that whenever I talk to the the existing customers of Titan and even the new customers, I hear that all the time, right? That uh, Titan and 3D System has uh, a group of experts. We call them application development engineers, and they are the they are truly the expert in the specific technology or and in the 3D printing, right? But they are they also understand the needs of the customers, and they're able to work with the customers like you and turn the then the parts around quickly so you are able to validate whether that 3d printed part is going to work in your application or not so it, it's great to hear that we were able to do that in i guess less than three months and even able to print that part in in less than a in less than a week and turn it around to you guys so you could show showcase it to your internal stakeholders uh, I also like what you said, which is, you know, the lights out manufacturing. We take a huge pride in when we build these machines because one of the things we focus on is uh, reliability and repeatability. We have multiple customers who have multiple machines, right, at single customer. And the main reason being uh, the, the reliability and repeatability of this equipment. So, uh, again, that's a great story. Um, I do want to ask you about... Uh, I think on your machine, you did uh, get the spindle offering, which is, you know, the machining capability, uh, which is part of, you know, our, our additive subtractive hybrid platform that Titan offers. I know you could have you could have printed a part with a finer nozzle and may not have to do a machining, but you also got the machining capability. Can you tell us how how you use um, those cap how you use uh, Printing and machining capabilities uh, when in your current uh, um, factory. Yes, we. Um, it was most cost effective to get the printer with the uh, spindle on it rather than maybe we want it later. So we went ahead and did that, and then uh, we were so excited with uh, uh, the tools we were getting and printing off of there, and um, we used the. Uh, the PC ABS material uh, for the molds for the temperature, you know, for the higher temperature, and then um, we've also, because we know it so well, we also uh, do some prototype parts for people in that as well. We do some in ABS too, but um, I would say it was probably three or four months before we even used the spindle, and then I would say over the last two months, probably it's used quite a bit now. So we were happy with the surface we were getting. And so now, um, because of the performance of these 3D printed, you know, I keep saying tools and pattern like interchangeably because at first it was just patterns, but now we call them tools because not only that's the way we identify them here because of the way they look, but also we're running them for quite a long time. So when we got into some higher grade materials and some transparent parts that we make, you know, we do a lot of polycarbonate, a lot of the majority of it's clear, but we do some different tints to it. Um, we found with your help, uh, 
uh, our engineer that runs it most of the time, Nino, was talking with your guys, and he said, you know, you could feed the the printing of the tool up a little bit quicker by using the the milling. So um, we've we've done several parts like that, and the first one we did um, is a, it was a small sign, it's like by 20 inches square, and um, it was clear polycarbonate, uh, and I would say like 50% of it was clear. And then we also have um, large format printers here and that we can print um, and then form parts. And so uh, that's what this was. And uh, the part came out really nice uh, with the mill. And I think when we're, when we're after a lot in the transparencies, but we're also when we're doing some thinner gauge uh, parts, you know, like we'll do some um, Kydex, you know, some high-end uh, um, PC ABS blend materials. And uh, so we can print it a little, we can get the tool, off, we can get the pattern tool off of there quicker with using the mill in combination with how the guys are, are printing it. And then the part looks fantastic, uh, you know, when we form. I know you got your printer in, uh, I think, in the March of 2022. Uh, so it's about, you know, what, 15 months or so. You know, ballpark number. How many how many molds or, or patterns or tools have you printed? And um, how often do you do you run this printer? Um, we had, I would say, molds in there, you know, probably the first few months. Maybe we were running it, you know, 30 30 hours a week or something like that, 30, 40 hours a week. Um, I did get back with Nino since technology, you can trace so well. Um, you know, the printer's running now and uh, it hasn't stopped running, I'd say for the last two or three weeks, we got a, a big job in that's uh, 40 different molds. So the majority of them are going through the, the printer. So it's one after the other, but um, not including those, we're up to 107 uh, pattern slash molds that we printed on the printed on the 3D printer. Wow, wow. Um, a big question, right? Is always is um, how many runs or shots can you get from the 3D printed mold versus traditional mold? Um, what are you seeing? Uh, when do you decide to use a 3D printed mold versus traditional mold? Uh, and maybe talk a little bit more about the wear and tear of these molds. We have um, a few parts that um, we that I tag that I look at the uh, sales dollars on them and um, the quantity that we're running off of there. And uh, one of one of the ones we picked to leave 3D printed was a um, we make a specialized uh, faucet mount bezel or an RV so it holds the faucet in the shower it's bigger than what you would think because there's a, a diverter in there so they hit this diverter and instead of wasting your onboard water waiting for it to get hot it recirculates it until once it's hot it lights up red and you turn the diverter off and uh, so it was, it's uh, the finished parts like nine inches square in um we have nine cavities on one mold base that we run. So nine 3D printed uh, patterns on there. And uh, that one, so far, 
we're, I think it was, I looked a week or so ago, I think we're at 1,200 shots on that. With no, there hasn't been any repairs to anything. Everything's coming out like it did the first day, so I don't see uh, a change in that. And we're forming, um, uh, you know, general purpose ABS and the, the starting gauge is 150. So it's a pretty, pretty beefy uh, ABS for a vacuum mold. Did you just say 12,000? Um, we are, we're like 1,200 shots off of it. Okay, 1,200 shots. 12, but that, yeah. that is still amazing. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people think that these molds are not going to last for more than 100 shots. So the fact that you're able to do in thousands now, that that's a game changing, correct? Correct. Yes. And, it, you know, the more we've learned. So some of this is, um, uh, you know, we'll, we quote, obviously, the tooling and and. Uh, customers' parts. So, you know, the, the majority of what we do, you know, is a customer-owned tool, so they're paying for it. Uh, and so, you know, we're cost-effective with these, and depending on their, you know, EAU, you know, how many you're going to order a year, uh, you know, sometimes it's in the thousands, you know, like we're going to order 10,000 parts. Sometimes it's a thousand parts. And um, so, you know, our sales team has been brought up to speed. You know, a lot of time, this is what's going to cost for a 3D printed pattern slash tool. We think we can get this many shots off of it. If we can't, then the cost for another one's going to be this much. But, you know, now we're able to tell them, you know, you're going to get, you know, a thousand plus shots off of this tool. And um, so, you know, our thought was, um, we start with this, you know, we'll run it as long as we can, and then uh, we'll go to the hard tool when necessary. And it's kind of a new new thing for the sales team to bring that into, in, you know, bring it up with our customers. You know, we can try this, see how long you get. Um, we definitely do it on the pattern side because um, it's, it's more cost effective than still the layups and CNC trimming of uh, patterns once once you get over you know probably two definitely three feet square it's going to be more cost effective 3d printed than the traditional method of a cnc layup and all that great so, so if just just to quickly reflect on what you said so it's it's cost effective to make uh 3d printed molds it's also faster right uh because now you're able to print something within a day versus maybe taking two to four weeks to get a mold mold made. With those advantages, have you been able to gain more business with, with your uh, 3D printing technology? Yeah, we have uh, more projects on the table right now uh, than we ever had. So, you know, a lot of times you get business because you can turn it around faster. Uh, and now, not only can we, we can turn it around faster that the guys have, you know, bring in more, you know, everybody's looking for more, more business. And, you know, if something, if it came up, hey, slow down a little bit, let's catch up with what we got. Um, we're not at that point right now. And uh, we are quoting and uh, have purchase orders in from customers for samples uh, that we probably got a backlog of, of six months. I would say the way 
projects go. And um, it definitely is leading. It's given us the opportunity to quote more and uh, show more parts. That's great. You know, uh, you know, we you can always lean on us if you if you need some additional capacity. OK, until until you're ready to uh, buy another piece of equipment. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. Um, but again, again, this is fantastic. Thanks for sharing these examples. I think this is going to be quite eye opening for for people who, who still use traditional uh, methods to to make uh, tools. Uh, because maybe they don't they don't trust on on 3D printed tooling uh, yet. So Dave, I know we you you mentioned the porosity uh, in the 3D printed part um, and some skepticism around that. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the advantages of having the porosity in the 3D molds? Yeah. The, um... You know, right off the bat, it, save, it saves time when it's, when it's in there, so you don't have any post work or drilling vacuum molds. Uh, but on top of that, we formed some parts. Um, it was a, it was a one that hits me. It was a customer came in and, and had this design for a um, a, a substructure, superstructure between two panels, and everybody's going to relate to this. It looked like a muffin pan. But it was much larger, so it's got all these cups in there, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it just looked like a muffin pan. So when you see that drawn down into, and they were two inches deep, and I think they were um, like three inches in diameter, and you know, I generally I'm looking at that thing, and they're going to get thin as hell on the bottom of that, you know, on the, the radius where it hits the bottom, flattens out, and. Um, Oh, let's try it, you know. And so we put it in there. The customer was here, and we ran it, and we pulled that part off there, and I, we were just floored. I was floored. There were it was the flow of the material was so consistent that it was a nice firm part. And um, we've done we do a lot of uh, custom shower pans for the they call it the B van market. So you know it's like a Dodge Promaster or a Mercedes Sprinter. And um, so they're incorporating a lot in this very small bath. Not only do you have a shower floor, there's a toilet in there. And uh, there's some deep draws in some areas, you know, where they want a, a guide for the door. And we're looking at it, you know, I don't think that's going to work, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, let's 3D print it and see what it does. And so well, we did a couple examples like that. And uh, had we not 3D printed it with the porosity in there, um, we would have had to go back to the customer and say, hey, we're going to need some more draft here. We're going to need some radius at the bottom. And uh, we just didn't need it. It's, uh, you know, those, those of us here who uh, have, you know, 20, 30 years in the industry and uh, with the actual hands-on of parts and molds and everything, we're looking at that thinking, how in the heck does this, how, how the heck does this work? So uh, we have one, it, it's still amazing to me, it's opened up some new doors, so uh, we're looking at a couple of uh, projects here that we're getting ready to kick off of our own. Um, we're going to take advantage of that for us being the mold. Good. Have you started to incorporate that learning in the in the design phase now? Yes. Yeah. So we um, we have a, a team of 
when it comes right down to it, there's, there's a team of seven people that do, uh, let's say, the engineering when we're looking at new projects. But there's three that pick it apart. And then hey, this, this is how we're going to do this one. And uh, when when we have those uh, difficult draws, uh, we end up 3D, 3D printing that. And people in the industry, you know, a lot of times if there's something deep like that, back in the the old days, I'll call them. If we were going to do that muffin tin, I would have said we need a pusher. So, you know, you can go in and, and push that material down in the cavity first before you hit the vacuum. To, so it's thicker at the bottom. But, you know, wherever that pusher is, you know, there's a 80% chance you're going to see a line where that pusher hit. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely is part of our decision of how quickly we get something and are we going to 3D print this one or you want to do it, the C, run it through the CNC? Great, great. Um, I know we did a webinar with you in, in April, Dave. Thank you so much for, for being part of that. Uh, that was very interesting, well attended, and we got uh, quite a few questions during that webinar. So I wanted to just touch upon uh, some of the commonly asked questions. One is, uh, you know, about surface finish and post-processing of 3D printed mold, right? Uh, I know we we already talked about it. Uh, you know, you use milling operation on the 3D printed part with the with the Titan hybrid machine. Uh, but do you use any molds where you still have the layer lines? Like you might have used, you know, printed just printed those molds with a smaller nozzle size, and and those layer lines are of any concern? Um. Yes, we do print with the smaller lines. That's where we started off, and um, we did not um, pick up anything. So um, when we were, you know, a lot of our ABS projects are uh, one, one to five gauge and up, and uh, we did not see them when we printed finer. It was not an issue. And um, we even had a couple of um, polycarbonate parts that we did that were um, more like sight glasses for a machine. and. Um, we printed them on there when you know we're uh, with the finer print, and uh, you could see right through it just fine. It was uh, it was fine. Um, and polycarbonate, you know, can pick up a, a lot, especially when it's transparent. And um, we did uh, we do like I told you a lot of shower bases, so we were able to increase uh, those lines in the pan and had uh, so it gave us a non-skid surface, which is normally a a post process you can't cnc put that in there so it's a that's a post layup thing that the guys do uh back there with the epoxy filled with uh little bits of metal to get that uh non-skid surface but we were able to put it in when we were printing so uh, you can use it you know both ways you minimize it and you get a nice clean part or you know like we did we made it heavy to get a non-skid surface great great I know we also had a lot of questions about cycle times and cooling sequences. Uh, maybe for the benefit of our listeners, could you elaborate a little bit more around what that means in the thermoforming process? Yeah, we. Um, I had talked earlier about aluminum tools where you can, you know, they're expensive. But you can control the temperature of the tool, so that helps your cycle time. You not only get consistent good parts, but you know your tool doesn't get so hot that you have to let the, the material cool on it longer. And um, so the uh, ceramic molds that we run, so a lot of those molds that we run, you know, it'll go in and maybe we're going to form a thousand shots off of it and then we're on to the next mold. And so the cycle time gets a little bit longer because the 
tool gets hot. And so what we experienced uh, on the 3D printing tools is we, we don't we don't have that, uh, especially with the porosity in there. You know, it's not, it's not a solid chunk that you're heating up. So they don't heat up like um, like a ceramic mold would do. And um, it, I think, uh, obviously, by the porosity keeps it from doing that. But then also, you, we look at, we've run several parts that we've run like 100 parts off of there. And um, we're really, the first part and the 100th part both look the same. So, you know, over a normal run, like on the ceramic tool, it'll be a little bit different. Maybe it's a 40-inch part, and there's a 16-inch difference in the length from its shrink, you know, from heating and cooling. But we find it to be very consistent in the 3D printing tools. Good. So can you run consecutive cycles on a rotary with these tools? And how do you do the part cooling sequence for the 3D printed molds? Um, we do that um, bezel thing I was talking to you about. It, it runs in a small rotary because we run so many of them. And um, yeah, it just, the, the cycle time uh, does not, the only reason the cycle time would change would be, might be the time of day. So, you know, we're here in uh, right on the Indiana, Michigan border. And so we're going through some hot days here this last week. So um, our cycle times are, uh, the cooling is a little bit longer. Um, like from 6 a.m. in the morning till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that cycle time, will, the cooling will, will uh, increase, and that's really due to the weather, not the, not the tool. And um, so we're fine. Three station rotary, it runs, uh, it runs great through there. Yeah, I know we all are uh, facing the high temps, uh, high temperatures, uh, and weather changing conditions uh, uh, this summer for sure across the globe. Um, let's talk about a little bit. Talk about materials, right? The selection of the materials for for molds. You already talked about polycarbonate molds. I think you've also tried ABS molds. What's, I guess, how do you decide what material to use um, when you are printing molds? The, um, uh, we, we pretty much stuck with the, um, the glass fill molds. Um, and one of the decisions was uh, these are last in a long time. And um, when we know the part is going to uh, be a long runner, um, we decided just to stick with that. We did do a couple of ABS ones just to give it a try. And um, I don't know, I, I can't put a number. It's not many, it's probably less than probably less than 25 that we printed ABS, but we know we're just doing samples. And uh, we had one, I told you about the one sign we did. We did another uh, sign for John Deere, kind of like uh, to show them our printing abilities, 3D printing abilities, how quick it is to show them uh, our, we ran different materials on it, including polycarbonate. And on the polycarbonate, we, we printed it and we did what they call distortion print. So we, you know, it's green and it has the John, it has the deer in it. And so we printed it so that deer would fall on a raised portion of the mold. And so we used the ABS on that because we only ran, we knew we were only going to run 30 shots off of it. 
It was more of a salesman uh, sample thing than than anything. And uh, so, we, and we also have you know some people. Hey, I need um, I got a retrofit fifty vans with this part. So you know, cheapest you can get. So we didn't know three D printing the tool was the best option. And then we also did the um, I forgot what it was. It was a higher grade ABS. Um, material that we printed those tools with yeah yeah we definitely you know i think i think it really depends on what what end application is and you know in we have we have some other customers who use a uh, variety of different materials right for 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 example if they need higher temperature uh in the higher temperature application they may print a mold with either pei carbon fiber pei because that can go uh that can withstand um, significantly higher temperature than the polycarbonate or ABS. So, and again, that's one of the advantages, right, with the pallet extrusion technology, where you can use a range of materials uh, in making your molds or even making your end parts. Uh, let's let's quickly talk about maybe some of the other applications, uh, either currently or or future applications that you may be using the uh, the Titan pallet extrusion platform. Uh, I know we talked a lot about tooling or patterns or molds uh but have you been using this uh technology for any other applications like fixturing or even end part production we um it's just funny that you asked me that we just uh oh, it's probably within the last month the last 30 days um we did um use we did make fixtures for um the component that we assemble and um yeah it, went, it was pretty quick I, I forgot who came up with it we're sitting there looking at it and i'm like man it's gonna be take forever to get this right and um one of the i think one of the things that came up is uh, like i said nino is the guy that uh, programs that runs the most um he's like well i already got the data on the part i could i could 3d print the fixture and so that worked perfect so we have used it for that and um we did make um it wasn't in it for us, but we did, uh, you know, the, the friend of the boss or whatever, we did uh, make a couple of component parts for um, some old machine a guy was was uh, rebuilding and, uh, you know, like an antique thing, stuff you couldn't get. So we did 3D print some of that stuff. Great, great. Um, you know, one of the one of the trains that, I have been seeing and and when I talk to the customers, they talk to me about it as the digital inventory, right, of these patterns or molds. So historically, you know, people have been storing the wood patterns or ceramic molds or aluminum molds, whatever it is. And and they don't know in some cases when those molds will be used, but they have the contract with the end customers where they they may have to supply the parts for next 20 years or 30 years right whatever it is the the whatever the end customer is and and their requirement is um are you still uh, do you see this 3d printing technology helping companies like yours reduce the storage space uh especially for these patterns and molds in the long term i do and that's a at least for our thermal forming company. That's a that's a that's a game changer. We have um, probably eight years ago we built we built a huge pole barn that's just cold storage. So you know I would I would venture to say 
50% of the tools that go in there end up getting tossed out. But um, oh. <laughs> if it's moving in there, the volume's down, and then, you know, it's it, like you said, it's like replacement parts. So, um, and, you know, when we go to run replacement parts, say they were ordering, you know, 500 pieces a month for, you know, five years. Now they replace it with something else, and every once in a while, you know, hey, we need five of those parts. I'm like, yeah, we can't run five parts. So, you know, it's a, it's very expensive to do a setup for um, a tool and have the sheet and, and keep the tool, you know, and so we'll require 25 minimum or 50 minimum or something. And uh, so we have discussed that and, uh, on 3D printed tools. That, you know, once it gets down to a low volume, um, we probably would not have to store that tool. And, you know, we let the customer know, hey, you know, lead time on any, um, you know, future orders or replacement orders um, are going to be, uh, you know, it's a, a it's an eight-week lead time. That way, we if we have to, we can print the tool and, and you know, actually meet that, that schedule for them. I can see it uh, being beneficial, and we have, it hasn't hit us yet, but we definitely look at it as uh, things are phased out on 3D printed tools as they would be. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, let's 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 talk a little bit about where we go from here, right? So, um, do you see the the broader adoption of this technology in thermoforming industry? Um, what's next for thermoforming industry? I know, like on our end, you know, we take a look at equipment we have in-house. You know, like I said, we have two aged CNCs and, and one that's only a few years old. And um, uh, do you buy another CNC or do you buy a 3D printer? So obviously it's probably, the, <laughs> it's going to be the 3D printer. But um, I can see, uh, I can see this uh, taken off for us. You know, there's a lot of products that uh, new projects that were taken on that you know we'll make the decision just to keep running this 3D uh, printed tool and um, just see how many shots we can get off of it. And uh, we we probably would go back to the customer and say, hey, you know, we got to print another one because it was our decision to go this far um, with it. And like I said, on a couple of a few tools that we have that we run a lot off of, but we haven't seen any any changes yet. And um, I know I'm going to jump back for a second here. We went with the Titan because of the, the base size that we could print. And um, we have printed tools bigger than that. So we split them up, you know, we did two halves and put them together. And um, normally that's, uh, you know, if this is part you're gonna wanna run, you wouldn't do that like off of the CNC because you're gonna see where you put them together. And um, it did not come out in these parts. It didn't come out in the first one. And so we, we've done more because of that. And I attribute that to the, the porosity of the mold. You just can't see that. We would call the witness line, witness line when we put the tools together. We just didn't see it in that. So it allows us to do, we do, like I said, um, we do a lot of large parts here. So it allows us to, uh, it's, it's opened up more tools to be 3D printed for size. Now we're not limited to, the bed size of the, of the printer currently.